I'm over it. You want me to tell you what? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Because if you were truly over it, if you, were tr if you truly didn't care, you wouldn't even say that. Because you wouldn't care, you wouldn't even mention it. They'd say something, you'd just be like, because it's not there. But because you do care, you oh, I don't care anymore. Well, you got an attitude. <laughs> anyway, so what happens is, you know, even people in my life, I've said I don't care about certain things. And the reason why we say that is because the person has hurt us. And we're hurt. We want to be over it, but truly we're not. We want to, it all to end, but it just doesn't end because what it is, it's a relational conflict. And when relational conflicts arise, we get in defense mode, whether it's an individual or a group, and we just say, I don't care anymore. And there's five things that'll get you there. And the first thing that'll get you there is that, number one, it's distance. And that's some type of separation. And that can be created through neglect of a relationship. You know, have you ever seen marriages where, I mean, all of a sudden, and it might be your marriage, you were happy-go-lucky when you first got together, and then maybe you pass each other in the hallway, and uh, you just kind of are just roommates. Maybe it's because you neglected the relationship. Maybe, maybe what happened is you didn't spend time together, quality time together, communicating with each other when you get home. That happens. You know, people in general, they don't like conflicts. What happens is this, is people, when people get into conflicts, first of all, what happens is they don't want to because they don't want to confront the situation because they feel if they confront the situation, it's going to get worse. So they don't get into the conflict. So what happens is they usually shut people out. They either literally shut them out by, by just staying away from them or they internally shut them out. And, and really everything they say, they don't pay attention to a word of. So they start shutting people out. And no one wants to be hurt. So the next thing that happens after distance is we create walls. You start putting barriers up. And the thing of it is, is walls just don't keep the bad people out. Walls keep the good people out too. And it's all because we don't want people to hurt us. We want to protect our emotions is what we're trying to do. And there's a lot of people in church that have these walls up, and they, they think that the sad thing is they think it's good for them, but really it's hurting them. It's destroying them. So then after that, the next thing that happens from walls, if you don't deal with it, it's escalation. Things start escalating. They start, they start growing. As a matter of fact, the problem ends up bigger than the problem. You ever heard the term making a mountain out of a molehill? That's what that means. It's, it's really not that big of a deal, but we've exploded and it's escalated into something that's big. And usually that happens because of the tongue. You start saying some stuff you shouldn't say. <laughs> yeah, uh, yesterday, I acted like a two-year-old. I know because my wife told me. And she's right. I'm not going to tell you what I did, but I mean, I was, I, I was upset. And, and I made a mountain out of a molehill. And I didn't talk about it right away. She, when she got into the car, she wanted to I wasn't ready to talk because my tongue would have said some things it shouldn't have said. See, that's how much wisdom I have. I know when to hold them and I know when to fold them. <laughs> Walk away and run. Yeah, I know when to do that stuff. And it was time to just... And, but later on, what we did is we addressed it. We talked about it. 
It's not you're not supposed to talk about it. What you need to do is, 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 is when things happen, you know, maybe you don't need to say something right away. Maybe you just need to take some time out. Take a time out. Now, I'll tell you, women, you need to listen to this because guys need to take time outs, trust me. Women, you want to know right now, and you want to handle it now. Listen, he might say something that's gonna, that you're, you're all going to regret. You know, so, it's, so sometimes we just need to chill out. Sometimes we just need to back off. But then we do need to address it. And then what happens is, in escalation, we start belittling the other person. Then from there, the next thing is you run into a false belief. That's the next thing you run into. And this is when you start saying things in a story that never really happened, but you believe happened. As a matter of fact, you believe it so much, you'll fight tooth and toenail that it did happen, but it didn't. You just had a false perception of what happened, and it was your perception. It was from your point of view, but it really didn't happen, and it wasn't true. But you believe it to be true. But this all happens. This is, this is how it builds. And this is when you think you know the facts, but, but you don't. So from the false belief stage, this is where you end up in. You end up in hostility. Now, the way hostility works is this. It's, it's not, um, it's, it's an environment. It's not, uh, well, this is what I wrote. Hostility is not the condition between you and another person. Hostility is a condition in your soul. That's your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Because, see, you could be hostile towards a person, and that person never know it. Hostility is you don't have peace on the inside. When they come around, oh, just, oh, your skin starts crawling. Hi, sister. And you're just thinking, I want to stab you when you're right. You know what I'm talking about. And that's hostility. There's just no peace on the inside. There's no joy. But this list of five things that I mentioned to you this morning, and a lot of people understand this list, this is the same exact list and the same exact condition that we were in with God before Christ Jesus. We were distant. We put up walls. Things escalated. We had false beliefs. It created hostility. That's exactly, we were his enemies. That's exactly where we were before Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 12 through 14, it says this. It says, remember. Well, what does he want us to remember? He wants us to bring some things back to remembrance. Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ. Without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So in other words, you were brought near through something he did, not through something you did. Just because you had some wild revelation to come to church today doesn't mean that brought you near to Christ. He brought you near through, the, through his blood. Through the death, burial, and his resurrection, that's how we were brought near to him. We were the offending party of him, and he, through his reconciling process, through the blood of Christ, brought us near. I'm telling you, that's exciting right there. If that's all you get today, you got something. 
You really did. But, but we need to understand this. Paul's saying this. He goes, he said, I want you to remember. Remember that scripture? He said, remember. Because remember, you were the offending party. God was not the offending party. God did nothing wrong. But I want you to remember because, because when you remember, something supernatural happens. And this is what happens. Continues on to say this. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So when we remember, when we remember what he did, the price that he paid, how he brought us together, what he says is is when we get this reality on the inside, when we remember it, it destroys the wall and it takes care of the condition of our hostility when we remember. Now that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But you know what a fair question is? What does God want returned? And people shake their heads. And and most people would say, nothing. But that's not true. God does want something in return. He doesn't require something, but he wants something in return. If we keep reading Ephesians, this is what he wants. In chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. So it's still the same topics. This is what he's talking about. He says, get rid of all. Everybody say all. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. You know, that's easier said than done. Because there are some people that come along that I do think about, man, I'd like to stab them in their eye. You know, I mean, I say that, but sometimes I really, you know, anyway. Just kidding. Come on now, guys. It's okay. But he tells us, he says, this is how to do it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as. Everybody say just as. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as is the key to this verse. That's the key right there. The only way you can forgive people is what this is saying. If you remember... What? Remember, just as Christ forgave you. When you remember just as Christ forgave you and what he forgave you of and from, then supernaturally you have within you the capability, the capacity, the grace, the power to forgive. So today what I want to do is I want to show you how to have that peace in your heart and have that capacity to forgive whether the other party wants to forgive you or wants to reconcile with you or not. Because it doesn't matter what the other party wants to do. If you reconcile in your heart to forgive them, then you're released, you feel good, they're just jacked up and they're going to deal with it the rest of their life. I choose not to be jacked up. The first thing... In order to do this, number one, receive God's forgiveness. That's the first thing that you have to do. Receive God's forgiveness. And you might be saying, you know what, I'm a Christian. I've already done that. I've already received. No, you just got born again. When you receive God's forgiveness, that, what that really means is to understand, to grasp, to get an understanding of what, what God's forgiveness is. But for whatever reason, most Christians feel that we have to earn our forgiveness because we did something bad this week or today on the way to church. God, oh, where's this? Where's that? Ah, you know, we start, we start getting into these uh, uh, fights or tisms or whatever. And, and so we feel that we have to do something nice so we can earn God's forgiveness. 
And that's why we don't engage in this. We don't engage in worship. We don't engage in things because we feel that we have to earn it. And I'll tell you this, guilt is not from God. It's not. Guilt is from the enemy. He wants to accuse you. He wants to make you feel like you're guilty. You have to remember that God has forgiven you. He forgave your yesterdays, todays, and tomorrows. He forgave your past, present, and future sins. When you grasp the forgiveness of God, you'll come to realize this, and this is not in your notes, but but this should be. You'll never have to forgive anybody more than God has already forgiven you. Ever. And you know, the funny thing is, this is what's so crazy about people. Well, that's Jesus. And? You mean to tell me Jesus can do something more than you? then that wouldn't be what the Bible says about Jesus because this is what the Bible says about Jesus. In Philippians, it says he poured out all of his power, all of his divinity, everything. So he had no power other than the power of man. Well, Because if he had more than the power of man, then it wouldn't be a fair price for him to go to the cross. It was an equal price, equal to Adam. He, that's why the Bible calls him the second Adam. He could have chose to rebel, he could have, but he didn't. So you have the same power he has as long as you have the same God he has. That being the case, now I take a look at this. He's not asking me to do more than what he did, and he's showing me how to do it. Okay. So in 1 Timothy 1, verse 13 through 15, The Apostle Paul speaking here, he says, even though I was once a blasphemer, he said, I was a cusser, I cussed God out, I put him down. Even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor, you know what a persecutor, he was having uh, stoning parties, and that doesn't mean he got marijuana and got high. What that that means is he got a group of people that that called themselves Christians or were referred to as Christian believers of the way, and, and he would get groups of people together to stone them to death. So he was cursing God, he was stoning Christians to death. He said, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. It goes on to say, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith. That's key right there, along with the faith and love that are in Christ. So this is what Paul was saying. Paul was saying that even though that I was a wretched man, I was the worst of the worst, He said, God had faith in me, and he loved me. I'm going to tell you what, God has more faith in you than you have faith in you. That's why Jesus came. See, my thing is this, is how can we be so self-righteous and judge other people when God in Christ believed in us while we were enemies? How can we look at people and... And, and look down upon them. And how can, we, how, how can we just, you know, when we were God's greatest enemies, he reached out to us. Throughout the whole Bible, what you see is this, is you, you see the worst of the worst he takes and he uses to become the best of the best. You see this again and again and again and again and again in the Bible. It goes on to say, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world 
to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. So when we grasp the punishment that he, did on, that he took on our behalf, the penalty that we never have to pay, the love that he's shown to us, when, he, when we grasp that, not only did he wipe out our sin and cleanse our hearts, but he uses us to do something great in other people. I mean, when we grasp that, and that's the thing, is, is we don't really grasp this. And I, you know how I know that when somebody doesn't grasp it? When you complain about other people and when you talk negative. Because when you're complaining about other people and you're talking negative, you're not remembering what Christ did for you. When you remember what Christ did for you, you're not going to complain about somebody who is on time or late. You're not going to murmur about any, anything at all because you're just going to remember what Christ did for you. You're going to be grateful, and if they need something, you're going to pray for them. And that's what the Bible tells us to do, to pray for people. Anyway, Isaiah 1.18 in the New Living Translation says, Come now, let's settle this. All right, let's settle it, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. In other words, stop trying to earn this. I've got this. All you need to do is receive the work that, that Jesus did. Get it on the inside of you. Understand it. Then he says this. He says, though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool if you only obey me. And, you know, the reason why we have a hard time forgiving is this. Is we just really don't understand what he did. I mean, we have emotional experiences and we have these things, but we really don't get it. We don't have it on the inside. If, if you try to live your life trying to earn God's forgiveness, then you know what's going to happen? And this is really key. Understand this. Everyone else is going to have to earn forgiveness from you. But if you understand you got this thing for free, Brings me to point number two. And you can only do point number two if you understand point number one. And that's freely give what you have received. You don't have the capacity to freely give if you don't understand it. Matthew 10.8 says this, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus said, I didn't make you earn it. You don't make other people earn it either. Well, you know, if you do these five things, I'll forgive you. No, you know what? I'm not going to forgive you based upon what you've done. I'm going to forgive you based upon me remembering what Jesus has done. And when I forgive you based on what he's done, then all of a sudden I become a better person on the inside. You know, the, the, we should be called this. This should be our model. Uh, our motto should be the forgiven forgive. But, but it, it should be. But the Apostle Paul, what he does is he writes something to those people who kind of reject this message, who, who kind of come up against it, who, who just, you know, they, they still don't want to do it. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. He says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So Christ's love compels us, right? When Christ's love compels us, it, that means Christ's love is the fuel this. That's the fuel for it. That's the, that's the gas. That's what gives you the energy. 
Then it says he died, but it says we all died. What does that mean? It goes on to say, and he died for all, that those who live, that's talking about you and me, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So what he just said was this. He said, Jesus died for your interest. Now you need to die to yourself for his interest. That's what that just said. And it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, this is a really good scripture here. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. So let me, ex- let me explain this. He said, this is what Jesus did. He said, you all had a negative balance. Jesus went to the cross. He died for you because of his great love for us. And because of this, he died for you, and he put you at a zero balance. Now you're at a zero balance. You're not in the hole. This is now, check this out. Now that he's done that for you, you're in the ministry of doing that for other people. Other people should never have a negative balance in your account. Ever. That's what he just said right there. That's your job, according to the word. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you strong. It's easy to give people a negative balance. It's hard when somebody offends you, when somebody purposely does something to hurt you, to not have a negative balance in their account. Amen? He goes on to say, well, Rick, how do you know that? Because of what he said, what it continues on, he says, not counting men's sins against them. So that's exactly what he's talking about. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. There it is. So that's our job. Our job is forgiveness. Our job is to forgive people. And, you know, the thing of it is, is just because you are in a relationship with someone and the relationship has ended, you can forgive them and the relationship never be mended. That's, that's on them. But if you forgive them, then something supernatural is going to happen on the inside of you because he continues on. He says, we are therefore uh, Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So he made Jesus who, who had no sin to be our sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's awesome right there. So if you step out in faith, trust in God's word, a miracle is going to take place in your life, and it's going to totally change you. And this brings us to our last point, point number three. Go first. Be the first to act. See, that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't wait to see if you were going to make a decision. He went to the cross before you made your decision. He didn't wait on you. Well, you know, Rick, you don't know what they've done. Well, you realize what we've done? I mean, until you really understand that, you need to go back to step number one and get step number one because you can't do step two or three until you get step number one. When you get step number one, then two and three will just come into place. It just happens because you're compelled, you're fueled to do it. But in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were sinners, while we were his enemies, while we were against him, while, while we wanted nothing to do with him, Christ died for us. That right there says it all. 
Let me say this. This is something you can write down. The first to forgive is the happiest. And I can prove that in Scripture. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 9, it says blessed. But see that word blessed? That word blessed does not mean rich in your wallet. Now it does in some cases when it's in that context of money, but that's not what it's talking about. It says blessed, and what this word blessed in the Greek literally means, happy on the inside. So it it says happy on the inside are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Happy on the inside are the peacemakers. These are the ones who initiate. As a matter of fact, the book of James, chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18, it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. Do you see that wisdom that comes from heaven? Do you see that? What that is right there, that means it's not your wisdom. It's not worldly wisdom. So what it's saying is the supernatural wisdom, God's wisdom, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, right? Uh, Considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So even though it doesn't sound like good wisdom to go first, blessed are those who go first. In the heart, happy in their hearts. It goes on to say, it says, peacemakers who sow in peace hmm, raise a harvest of righteousness. So what that means is if you go first and it's sowing, peacemaking, you're making peace, right? And this is how you know it's first. He said sowing, so that means you have seed. You're putting it into the ground. So you're you're going first. It says you're going to have a harvest of righteousness. So what that means is your heart is going to feel right because you did the right thing. Even though it seemed wrong according to your own wisdom, according to heaven's wisdom, what, was, what it was talking about, it's the right thing to do. And then all of a sudden your heart will feel better. You'll be released. Here's our last statement before we close, and this will be in your, in your notes. Choices lead. Feelings follow. I'm going to give you a a story in this closing about this. Years ago, there was some tragedy that happened in my family. And um, I had so much hate in my heart. I planned to kill somebody because my family was attacked. And I had so much hate and I had so much rage in my heart. Leah and I, we didn't pray together. We stopped. I was laying in bed and and I had a vision. And it was when I and the vision was it was almost like a big screen like this, and it was it was a class that I was in when I was in Bible uh, college, and it was the late Kenneth E. Hagan. And it was in that class, and it was like I saw him, I saw everything, saw what he said. He said, forgiveness is like turning on and off a light. He said, you don't feel like turning the light on or off. There's no feeling involved. He said, you make a choice. When you make a choice and you turn the light on, he goes, then you can see. 
So until you choose to forgive, you're going to be in darkness. So what I did is I chose to forgive. And this is how I started. I said, God, it's like this. I mean, I was a, I mean, it was an angry prayer. I don't feel like forgiving these jokers. Now, I said jokers. I didn't cuss. I said, but, you know, I'm just choosing to do because your word tells me that I should do this. And, Father, I forgive them, and I pray for wisdom and revelation. That same prayer I prayed this morning. Prayed over them. And I did this every night. Every time I thought about them, I did this. Then one day, suddenly, there was a release in my heart. And I truly felt peace. But I made the choice. Then all of a sudden, it was gone. I, I had no... It wasn't eating me up anymore. And I felt compassion for him. I felt sorry. And then it was funny. It was right after that I get a phone call from some people from that church asking me to forgive them for what had happened. And I did. It was done. Forgiveness is not just because of what you say in your mouth. Forgiveness is what you believe in your heart and how you respond and treat someone. You can say all you want to say. Oh, well, baby, I love you. Smack him across the face. Oh, baby, I love you. You liar. Just tell him that you love him because you want to keep him around so you can smack him some more. When you truly forgive someone, you truly love them, you, don't, you stop smacking them. In your heart, you truly believe. Because you truly believe. You respond accordingly. Amen? Was that good? I'm telling you. God's good. Give it up to God.